0: This is the Black and Blue Report, presented by SeatGeek. Here are your hosts, Cindy Robinson,
1: Caroline Gonzalez, and Ashley Amos.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Black and Blue Report. We're back, and as in, we're, we, we, I mean, Cindy Robinson.
3: Ashley Amos. Caroline Gonzalez. (laughs)
2: That's not quite Caroline. Filling in for Caroline today will be Mr. Daniel Sallerson, our producer.
3: Thanks for nice. having me. Oh, of
2: course. Thank you for joining us.
3: Two shows in one week.
2: There you go. Me. <laughs> Your famous. Your famous. Joining the, the all girls crew. Right. No the- power. No
0: is better though, right? Our Friday
2: the Friday edition's
3: better. Oh, way more fun than my boring old show on Monday. I, mean, come on. Not boring. I actually get to talk to someone. I'm talking to myself basically and then JD and Jim, so it's like no.
2: <laughs> you <have> conversation. <laughs> Shots fired. No, oh, okay. But our
3: our Monday show is more of a let's break down the game, glad recap all know. that, kind of get right going. Yeah, but this yeah. is more of a conversation. You know. Yeah. It's good to like have that. some conversations.
2: We like to have a little fun over here. I think.
0: Yeah. No. We're glad you're a part of it. Thanks
3: yeah. for having me.
2: So you guys, we're talking Saints today, um, going into this matchup against the Bengals. We will be joined by Kirby Tiope later. We got an interview with him yesterday. Um and obviously, we're going to talk about the big signing on the Saints side. And then we'll also talk some Pels. Tonight, they are facing the Phoenix Suns. So, let's get into this, guys. Biggest news on the Saints side. Des Bryant signing. He had his first practice with the Saints yesterday. Um, spoke in the locker room. And some of the players spoke in the locker room about having him join the team. I'm going to get your thoughts first about the signing.
0: Yeah, no. Um, I think, you know, definitely – it's an interesting move, and um, like they talked about um, yesterday uh, and today, it's just there's been uh, almost like a revitalization of energy, which you don't think you wouldn't think you would need mm-hmm. on a team who is seven and one oh, right. and um, has been winning a lot lately and just beat the undefeated um, Rams. Yeah. But I think that this is definitely adds a little bit of a I don't know almost a but it's almost a bit of a risk, but. Like Des like right? like likes to say, he, the X factor, you know. Yeah. I think that it's going to really, really help the Saints offense, especially in those third down situations and in those red zone situations. You know, you have right now in the red zone, you have – Mike Thomas you know your biggest receiver and he's most likely getting double coverage then you have Alvin Kamara so you know obviously we do have Traquan Smith and uh, tight end Benjamin Watson which we all know Drew Brees loves a good tight end and been has been doing great for uh, the Saints thus far but I think just having another target you know like make that defense have to think who are they going to cover who are they going to double cover Mm -hmm. Um, are they going to leave it one-on-one and Uh, kind of make it a jump ball situation we know that Drew Brees is the best in the biz and if having a large target like a Dez Bryant in the back of the end zone one-on-one i I'm gonna my, I'm gonna bet, bet on it yeah. exactly exactly so I think it's an interesting move you know I think there's was some concerns about locker room chemistry and messing up that but I think
2: I don't think I mean I, I know that's the talk but I don't see that because I feel like There's so much good chemistry, and anyone that's ever really come in, they just kind of gel with it, you know?
0: Well, I also think that Sean Payton and Drew Brees and all the veterans really on the Saints team have established a culture here, and you know, Des is not going to get to come in and dictate that culture. That culture is already here. So if he doesn't want to be a part of the culture, then Sean Payton will quickly be like, okay, thanks
4: so much for your time. And
2: I think the part that bothers me is that it's kind of unfair to put that on him. I know what was said about him in his past team, but like that was the one team he was with for his whole career. Of course, you'll have ups and downs. You know what I mean? Like that was his quote unquote team. He was the veteran there. I feel like as a veteran going into someone else's team, you know you can't just come in and try to change stuff.
3: Not everyone acts like that, though, and I I agree with Ashley. I think it's completely fair that you have to buy into whatever Sean Payne and them are doing, that he's not necessarily going to get the ball as much as he did in Dallas. He could be a decoy sometimes. You're going to take it away, you know, a lot of guys double-team Michael Thomas now. Do you have to worry about that anymore? There might be times where you still have Alvin Kamara in front of him as an option. Mark Ingram also could be Mm -hmm. a, a third second third option in front of des Bryan. Bryan might be the fourth or fifth option on this team which for him he's used to being that number one option yeah. so i think with a team that's seven and one and looking like the best team in the NFC, then you bring in des Bryan, i think it has to be a Here's why. this is why we need you. Yeah. Are you ready to buy in for this? And if so, we have a chance to make a championship. Do you really
2: think that that conversation didn't happen beforehand? Because, um, like, the, from what I'm seeing from him in his interviews and stuff, he definitely seems like he's ready to just fit in. Like, I'm sure. I'm sure that be.
3: conversation was had, and I'm sure he understands it. But now you got to prove it when you yeah. get on the on – the, on the field, yeah, I mean, it's easy
2: to say what you got to say to get in, and then once you get in, you can. Right, act your, and I'm not saying cool. he,
3: he might. I mean, we don't know yet until right. he comes on. He only had one practice, but right. I think you have to keep that in mind, though. That this team was this team was rolling without him. I'm not yeah. saying they don't need him because I do think he could be valuable mm-hmm. asset this team. You also have to buy into what Sean Payne and Drew Brees and what they want to do, and if you don't, then I get Sean Payne, We know him. He'll, he'll easily say goodbye. Yeah. So.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, like, I think that's why I don't have as much worry on that side of it because we know if you know what what's going to work for the team, that's all Sean's for. So if you're not going to work for the team, it will be a sayonara.
0: Yeah. It will be interesting to see. It will be interesting to see for Definitely. sure.
2: Definitely. Well, now we'll throw to our interview yesterday. Caroline and I talked with Herbie Teopia of uh, NFL Network.
1: Herbie, before we start things off, I do have to um, bring up Salute to Service Week, and I know every time I look over in the press box, you're standing at attention because you did serve 20 years in the U.S. Army, and I just wanted to say thank you for your service, and I hope you uh, feel well represented this week.
4: <laughs> you know what, though? It was an honor to raise the right hand and swear oath no, to protect and support the Constitution and, and this great country, uh, but I appreciate the kind words.
2: We appreciate you, Herbie. <laughs> okay, Herbie, we're going to get right into this because obviously the biggest news going around here is the new signing to the Saints, Des Bryant. Herbie, first off, how shocked or surprised at all, if at all, were you to see that the Saints signed Des?
4: I don't think it's it's that big of a surprise. And, you know, Drew Brees said yesterday in the locker room, this is a guy that's been on their radar since the Dallas Cowboys released him in April. And I think when you look at the offense, they've been missing a complimentary piece to Michael Thomas throughout this entire season. Um, think about this, for example. Ted Ginn went down uh, with the knee injury, was placed in, on injured reserve following week four. And here we are entering week 10, and Ted Ginn's twenty-two targets still ranks as the second most among wide receivers. So yes, you know, while the team is high on rookie Traquan Smith as well as Karen Meredith, and you have Austin Carr there, they they just haven't got the, the bang for the buck out of that number two spot opposite of Michael Thomas. What you get with Des Bryant is a quality veteran. And I think what a lot of people need to remember with, with Bryant here. He's not going to be expected to be the guy in this offense. The Saints have numerous weapons, and they don't necessarily need to rely on Bryant to carry the load because you've got Michael Thomas there. He, he's the true stud in this in this offense at the wide receiver position. You have Alvin Kamara. You have Mark Ingram. You can even toss in case and go in that. I think um, Zach Ryan told me yesterday in the locker room, the addition of, of Dez Bryant poses this question to opposing defensive coordinators. Who are you going to cover?
1: Mm, <laughs> he's yeah. absolutely
4: correct because he's just another weapon in the same system. And as we all know, Sean Payton, an offensive-minded guru, does take advantage of all the pieces at his disposal.
2: Well, I mean, obviously the one of the biggest questions is how long are we going to have to wait to see him actually play?
4: Well, you know, he has to learn the playbook, and that's the other thing, but you don't need to rush him in. You know, yeah. he has to learn the playbook. We don't know – the differences between what the Cowboys did and what the Saints do, I would say it's probably night and day when you look at the Cowboys' offense. Uh, when you ask around the league, there are a lot of offenses that come to mind that have a reputation for being very complex. The Saints own one of them. And so not, you can't expect Des Bryant, who's expected to sign Thursday, he's flying in the day, and then, so I'm sure he'll be in the locker room Thursday afternoon and definitely Friday, but you can't expect him to absorb that playbook in two days. I think like when you're asking him, since he played Sunday's game against the Cincinnati Bengals? That remains to be seen because he's got a lot to overcome here.
1: Herbie, we've seen a lot of productivity out of Michael Thomas, especially uh, this season. Um, do you think we're going to see uh, the, the reps go down for Michael Thomas and receptions and targets?
4: I don't think that's necessarily the case here because what you have is who brings as a master at taking advantage of mismatches. I think with the, the presence of Des Bryant, though, is just, once again you know another viable weapon on the outside there to complement Thomas. That should remove a lot of the double teams or the bracketed coverages that Thomas is seeing. If anything, it's going to help him.
2: This might be like an obvious answer. Not sure, but how much has Des is? Uh, well, I guess adding Dez, added to this offense
4: it adds a complementary piece and it adds a weapon we're talking about a former first team all pro wide receiver and a three-time Bowl. the guy has 73 touchdowns on his eight-year career with the dallas cowboys so you're talking about a proven producer at the national football league level i think the, the beauty of this move here is again it's you, you now feel the need for a number two, a viable number two wide receiver opposite of, of Michael Thomas.
2: Well, we – okay, we've talked about how this benefits the Saints, but what about from Dez's, you know, shoes? Like, how do you think he's feeling about this?
4: Well, I can't speak for Dez Bryant, right. but I think, like, if I'm in his position, you go from being a street-free agent to mm-hmm. all of a sudden landing on the team that's 7-1 and – that has a legitimate shot to make a run for the Super Bowl. And if, you know, professional players play for championships, and I think this is a fantastic opportunity for him. During the offseason, the the Cleveland Browns flirted with him, the the Baltimore Ravens flirted with him, and, you know, he didn't sign with them. And, you know, for for Des Bryant, he's always said on social media, he's looking for the right opportunity. And when a 7-1 team with a quarterback like Drew Brees throwing the football. This is a fantastic scenario for him because now you're on a team that has postseason aspirations and has a quarterback like Drew Brees, the most accurate passer in the National Football League history. You, you have a chance to play for a Super Bowl ring.
2: We all know he's a professional veteran, all of that, but should there be any concern that he hasn't played these first few weeks?
4: And here's the beauty of working him in. You, know, you get him in now. You find out what kind of football shape he's in, but if you look at a lot of his social media posts, he stayed in shape. James Slater, my colleague, um, covered him extensively down there in Dallas, and you know she posted a lot of the workout videos that he had. The Saints certainly would not have signed him if they, you know during after his workout if they didn't think he was in shape. the The biggest thing here for him is going to the ability to absorb the playbook. That's going to be the biggest thing for him. Mm-hmm.
1: Herbie, I want to switch gears a little bit since we are going into this Week 10 matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. One of the main points of focus for the Saints this week has to be red zone defense. The Bengals, or the Saints, are allow their opponents to score 71.4% of the time when they reach the end zone, which is 28th in the league, and the Bengals are first in red zone touchdowns. What is the mindset of the Saints, and what adjustments do you think they need to they need to make this week?
4: You know, and Sean Payton actually mentioned that earlier in the week during his conference call, that it is a concern. It is an absolute concern. But I think what you what, what should be able to take some solace is knowing this. Yes, they gave up a ton of points. They're coming off a game where they gave up a ton of points to the Los Angeles Rams. But at the same time, they stopped their primary weapon, Todd Gurley. Yes, Gurley scored on that first possession. But they showed an ability to swarm to the football. And I think if you enter this game, against the Bengals. The Bengals are also going to be without A.J. Green, who's battling a foot injury. That takes away a key weapon from them. So I think, if anything, the Saints have to carry over what they did last week against the Rams into this Sunday, have a defensive mindset. Once you're in the red zone, you swarm to the football, and that's got to be the key thing here.
1: We saw a lot of productivity out of the Saints' offensive line, especially in the Baldy breakdown that I think pretty much went viral because of the great coverage that they provided for for Drew Brees. Um, but we saw a lot of them on the injury report yesterday. Do you think that's just a matter of rest for those guys this week?
4: Yeah, a lot of veterans. Mm. <laughs> think about that. Those are a lot of veterans that, that popped up on the injury report. I'm not concerned at this point. Wednesday's injury reports, for a lot of folks who are listening right now, don't get too alarmed about that. Hmm. Because sometimes a lot of teams will rest their veterans. The key injury report is going to be Friday. When you look at Friday's report, if they're back on the practice field by then, then you're, you should be good. I, I wouldn't be concerned or too alarmed right now on the following Wednesday's injury report.
1: Do you think there's a certain X factor for the Saints' offensive line? Obviously, we know Teron Armstead has kind of been a backbone for a long time, and even Max Unger, who has been Drew Brees center for, for a long time now. Um, but do you think there's a certain X factor for the Saints' offensive line?
4: Not necessarily. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go beyond the offensive line. I'm going to go to the fullback position. because mm. You know you mentioned Brian Baldinger posting that video with the Saints' offensive line blocking mm-hmm. and running and, as well as pass protection. Hidden in there is Zach Line. Mm. Some of those runs that, that they showed on that video, who was leading the way and who was just punishing the linebacker in the hole? It was Zach Line. Who was dropping back and, and providing blitz pickups? It was Zach Line. So if there's an X factor, it, it extends beyond the front five. It falls on Zach Line.
1: We also saw that huge block from Mark Ingram where he completely pancaked the guy. That was that was pretty <laughs> impressive. Yeah,
4: absolutely. And you know when you when you're able to flip a blitzing linebacker like that, and of course those the Superdome erupted with the ooh and ah. It was pretty much like you were watching a WWE. Event.
2: <laughs> well, Herbie, thank you so much for joining us and giving us your insight. You guys can catch Herbie on NFL Network and read his articles on NFL.com, and then you can follow him on at, well, it's his name. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to be able to spell it. But it's H-E-R-B-I-E-T-E-O-P-E on Twitter. Herbie, thank you so much, and hope you have a nice day.
4: Hey, y'all have a nice day, and we'll see you out there.
2: Now moving on to the Saints neighbors, the Pelicans. I think I said tonight earlier, but it's actually tomorrow. They play the Phoenix Suns at the Smoothie King Center. Um, Coming off that game Wednesday, it's different from what we saw in the road trip, I would say. Now, Daniel, you actually traveled on the road trip. You were on 99.5 99.5 WRNO. Make sure y'all listen on those game Thanks days when you, when you can't make it to the game. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but um, what for you was different from the road trip in that Wednesday game that they were able to get a win after going 0-6?
3: They basically got back to what they were playing like before You know, Alfred Payton went down those first two games. I'm not saying it was exactly like that. Turnovers are still a problem for this team, but they had 32 assists. The ball was moving a lot better in Wednesday's game. I think just being back home, You're playing a Chicago team that's very young. They're rebuilding. It was a chance for the Pelicans. JD called it a get-right game, and they certainly did that. AD kind of got back to form. He struggled a little bit. I think that injury was still bothering him on the road. You had guys like Nikola Miritich step up. He's been a rebounding machine Mm -hmm. throughout this entire season. Drew Holiday had himself a game. Um, So I think it was just more of that getting back to the things that they were doing well before the losing streak happened. So. Mm -hmm. I think that was kind of a big reason why they got that win against Chicago. And also, I mean, we have to keep in mind with this road trip, granted the team was not healthy, you just played the top four teams in the Western Conference right. based on the standings. And the other team was the Thunder who has won seven in a row after starting 0-4. So probably was one of the harder road trips any NBA team has to go through right. in one season. That was f- five games to start your season. You're on the road against the top five teams. I mean, it's a tough one.
2: Right, and that's fair to say the reason why you see Coach Gentry and even the players mentioning that, they're not panicking that they've lost those games. Yeah, coach NC always goes back. There's eighty two games. Like right. this is just a few first ones. If we
3: go back to last year, the team was fifteen and thirty six or fifteen and sixteen after thirty one games. Right. So think about it. you're a one game under almost halfway through the season. They go on, they win ten in a row later on, right. they win five in a row to end the season, and they went there were fourteen games over five hundred. Yeah. So it's still way too early. We don't know what kind of teams I mean, the Sacramento Kings are a young rebuilding team, but yet they're a couple games over five hundred. Right. Can they sustain that? We don't know. Right. But I think the Pelicans are still trying to get their groove back after that road trip, and they might have a little bit of help tomorrow with Alfred Payton coming back.
2: I was going to say, that would be a big deal for them for because sure. he's obviously made the, one of the biggest impacts on the team. Yeah.
0: Daniel, would you say that tomorrow's game against a 2-9 and nine Suns team is a must-win?
3: I think it's way too early to say must-win, but it's a need-to-win, I would say, right. because you're about to go on another road trip against a Toronto Raptors team that only has one loss yeah. even when they're out playing Kawhi Leonard hasn't played in a few of their games and they're still winning and then you face a Minnesota team that's four and seven but they're four all those wins have come at home and you don't know about whether Jimmy Butler will play in that game so yes mm-hmm. I say I wouldn't say must win because it's not the end of the world that they do but it's it's a need to win You get back to 500, you get back in a little groove, and now you got to get the road again for a couple tough games.
0: And I think basketball, just like any other sport, but especially in the NBA, is kind of about those like – getting on a roll and yeah. kind of building momentum right. off of those wins and continuing to build. And as we saw earlier on the season with that four and no start, I felt like you could really feel the chemistry and people building off the momentum and then kind of AD goes down and that momentum kind of loses. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of the, the truck, the trains kind of stop moving right. completely, but track, yeah, but um, I definitely um, I'm looking forward to like uh, Gentry hinted uh, possibly Alfred Payton returning tomorrow and which would be yeah. a huge thing for the Pels.
2: So my question is, because last year one of the major things that the Pels dealt with was turnovers, and this year you're kind of seeing that again, be a little bit of an issue, but also free throws. Now I know players in you know Gentry, they always they don't like to harp on the you know things that they're doing wrong as far as like in the media, you know, because they're like they know they're working on it, but minor stuff like that where it's like that should be. I mean, like free throws, that's textbook type of thing. How do you improve? Like, are you practicing that nonstop now? Is that still something you're not focusing on because it's like a shot thing? Like,
0: Well, do, do you think the turnovers have, to, uh, have a little bit to do with the personnel, though? I mean, you kind of look at, like, without an Alfred Payton, who kind of was the ball handler, moving the ball everywhere, you're putting different people in those different roles who are now making passes that maybe they wouldn't usually have yeah. to make. Um, you yeah, know, I mean, I definitely I mean, think there's something to be said about, like, not mishandling the ball and being responsible. But I also think... You know, some turnovers were blatantly. I mean, I, okay, I will say this: that there were some turnovers that are just blatantly just bad passes exactly, and bad decisions. Exactly. <laughs> but, but, yeah, that but also telegraphing passes. Like, but you know. also, I to, I have to think too, like you know, you're at a, with a team that's still kind of gelling and finding themselves. Yes. You know, I think that there's still pieces, and it's it's been incredible to see Daniel, like how important Alfred Payton is. Yeah. Well,
2: does that? We, okay, I'm, I'm play devil's advocate here a little bit. Does that not scare you just a slight bit that because he's so important, if he were to go down, down, you know, like, you know, stuff happens in basketball, who's that person that's going to step up and actually, you know, make that difference?
3: Well, that's a good question. I think there's a couple of things. One with the turnovers, Alvin Gentry said on the road trip, a lot of it was because the Pelicans are trying to, he used a baseball term, trying to hit grand slams instead of hitting singles. So a lot of their passes were just passes that they didn't need to make whether it was an extra pass that they could have gone to the rim Mm -hmm. or shot an open shot, or it was one that they would throw 50 feet down the court Mm -hmm. and it would get intercepted. They started doing that a little bit better. There was a couple passes. I think Drew made an unbelievable pass the other night. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it got to. I believe it was Etwan Moore for a three. For a three, uh, yeah. In the corner. In the corner. I was like, how the hell did he make that pass? But, <laughs> but it okay, I'll but <laughs> take but it. it. So, but those are kind of things that haven't gone their way during right. this road trip. As far as the free throws are concerned, look, they practice every day. It's, it's a mental thing. It's a per-person basis. I mean, there's some of the – LeBron James, for instance, yeah. is not the greatest free throw shooter right. in the world. He's one of the greatest players in the world. Right. It's just one of those things. Julius Randle one night was 11 for 12 on the road trip. Then the next night he was 4 for 12. Yeah. So it's no. just one of those things that it's just one of your nights. But, yeah, it, it, I mean, that was a big question on the road trip. Drew Holiday had to pick up a lot of the slack mm-hmm. being the point guard. And he even said in our radio broadcast on Wednesday night that with Alfred coming back, he can go back to the two, which right. is more what he like, was yeah. brought to. And some yeah. of those turnovers, like Ashley said, came because of that. So, yeah. I mean, the good thing about Alvin Gentry's system is you don't necessarily need – that point guard at every single moment of the mm-hmm. game because anyone at any time can take up the ball. and Once you take up the mm-hmm. ball, they want to move. They don't yeah. want you to They want continue passing and cutting. And as long as you're doing that, you're going to get some open looks because AD is going to space the floor. Nico is going to space the floor. Right. When you have Etuan eventually, he can space the floor because he's been so consistent. So I don't think you necessarily need that guy. But Alfred Payne has been huge because not only he brings length on the defensive end, mm-hmm. but he's also just a good one. He attacks the basket so well. So right. that's how you space the floor as well. You can leave those – guys like Nico and Drew to kind of sit out there and wait for the three. So he's very valuable, but I'm not necessarily saying that if he goes down that the Pelicans are in trouble. You just miss him.
2: Okay. I get you. Mm -hmm. Okay. One thing I do want to touch on, because you mentioned it, Julius Randle has been phenomenal in my opinion. Mm -hmm. The game that he went 10 for 10, made all his free throws, is that like normal for people? Like that's unheard of, right? People don't go 100% from the field. Like No,
3: not not with 8 of <laughs> 8 from the field or 10 for 10. I mean, yeah, it's pretty rare that he did, but all of his shots usually come at the rim anyways. Mm-hmm. I think last year 55% of his shots came from 0 to 3 feet. Yeah. So, oh, don't, hold jerk. on
2: now though. He's not afraid to shoot the 3. He's not afraid
3: to <laughs> shoot it, but his bread and butter is going inside and mm-hmm. using that big body yeah, I, to kind of remove post players right. from their from their area. So, He's the kind of guy that he can shoot. He's capable of shooting 60%, yeah. 70%. But that was just one of those games that he was feeling, yeah. it, I think.
2: And now Gentry mentioned he's like, he likes to keep him on, like, coming off the bench. Is that something you think is going to continue throughout the season? Because, like, you know, we know Gentry likes to switch up the lineups. But we're starting to see that he's liking to start Wesley Johnson. And they mentioned that they may keep him in the lineup even when Elford returns. Now, Wesley had a great game on Wednesday night, starting to get his momentum with the team. But I know a lot of people after a while are going to be like, well, why can't we see Julius in there? Because we've seen Julius, Nico, and AD in all that together and it kind of meshes pretty well.
0: I don't know. I kind of like Julius off the bench, though. I think he kind of brings, again, like with that second wave, that energy and that um, having that talent and that player coming off the bench. I I don't know. I think that you kind of don't see this huge drop off. Right. I mean, and not to say the bench guys are a drop off, but, you know, you know, it's kind of like you can take out your main guys for five minutes or so, knowing that. We're not going to give up tons of points on the defensive side and offensively, we're going to be productive. And I think that's something that we have that that the Pelicans have lacked in previous seasons Mm -hmm. is having that consistency with the starting lineup and with the bench being able to come off and stay productive and long enough for the starters to come back in.
3: I think the starter thing is kind of a little overblown because it's not necessarily who starts a game, it's how you finish the game too Mm -hmm. because there are are games that Jaleel Okafor started Mm -hmm. and that was just to get a good six, seven minutes in for him and then he played like 10 minutes per game. So it's not necessarily that Wesley Johnson is going to give you 30, 35 minutes, but you just need that guy that gives you that length at the wing can play a little bit of defense Mm -hmm. and as you saw against the Bulls, he's capable of shooting the three. He's been struggling a little bit but was able to hit some open looks um, against the Bulls And I do think if they do keep Wesley in the starting lineup, which means each one more goes to the bench, which I kind of like to Ashley's point that you do have some firepower coming off the bench. Not only do you have Randall down low, but you have each one that can space the floor with how good he is at three point shooting. So I think it's just more of a with Randall Miritich and Davis, it's not necessarily a starting bench guy. Mm -hmm. It's two of those three guys are always going to be on the floor for the most part. And I think that's a huge advantage especially because all three of them are capable of running the floor. And when you're facing a slower team that has maybe a bigger center that really can't do it, you're going to take them completely out of the game. So then they have to kind of cater to what you're running. So I think I think Randall has accepted that role that he's coming mm-hmm. off the bench, but he's going to play significant minutes. He's going to play starters minutes. Yeah, he's just doing right. it from the bench.
2: Okay, so Phoenix Suns, Saturday night at the Smoothie King Center. Daniel, what are some keys that the Pelicans need to focus on going into this matchup? Because they're going against – a T.J. Warren, who just scored what, 29 points last yeah. night against the Celtics. Devin Booker, 38 and 9, point, uh, nine assists. Um, and then, obviously, Aiton, who's averaging double-double. Yeah.
3: So. I think they need to get off to a good start. I think a fast start against a team like Phoenix is crucial. I mean, Phoenix got off to such a good start yesterday against the Boston Celtics, mm-hmm. and then they blew a 20-point right. lead or whatever, and the Boston Celtics ended up winning. But against this team... Like the Suns, it's a chance for you to punch them in the mouth early. They're a young team. They're in rebuilding mode as well. Mm -hmm. If you get them and punch them in the mouth early and keep your foot on the gas, you have a chance to rest your guys in the third, fourth quarter. You're about to go on another road trip against two really good teams in the Raptors and Timberwolves. But I think you just got to play your strengths. And again, go back to the Chicago game. You saw spurts of that game that they were up 16, 18 points. I think that was their biggest lead. But then they slowly let it down to 14, 12. It got to 10 at one point. You're like, come on, can we just finish this game off? Right. We need to get the win. So I think it's more of a consistently playing to the level that they're capable of against a young team that you can expose a lot of their weaknesses because they don't play a lot of defense. They're having a lot of trouble scoring. They have some young guys, but they're one of the bottom teams in the league as far as scoring. Mm-hmm. And then they let up around 115 points per game. So if you can get out to an early start and don't hold back. I think you'll be in good shape.
0: Well, and I think Daniel has a great point, and that's something that I really want to see from this Pelicans team is can – you dominate the teams you're supposed to dominate. Can you win the games you're supposed to win? Because that's going to separate you in the Western Conference. If you win the games you're supposed to and then beat the teams occasionally that maybe you're not supposed to win, then you're going to set yourself to be in a good position in the Western Conference. I feel like something that hasn't always been our biggest strength on the Pelicans is that you kind of have seen them play to the level of their competition. Or like Daniel said, you get out to a fast start, you punch them in the mouth, but instead of keeping the gas on, all of a sudden you let let up. up. And then before you know it, you know, that 10 point lead is now two points, you know, Mm -hmm. going into the fourth. And so I really would like to see from this Pelicans team that kind of punch them in the mouth, go get them, Um, that hunger, that they want that win, uh, and kind of just keep the pedal to the metal, I would love for them to come out and just blow this team out.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone would love to see that, especially in the Smoothie King Center. You guys make sure you get your tickets for the game, Pelicans.com. Games at seven p.m.
3: Six p.m. Saturday. Oh, it's
2: early game. At the Saturdays
3: are always early. Get the family out. There's, oh, see, no, there's
2: excuse. no excuses. It's early. You can enjoy it with your family. Chance to get
3: back to five hundred. I mean, you're also part. seeing some young stars for Phoenix. Yeah. Keep in mind, Devin Booker is a really good player, really good. and Andre Ayton is not your normal big man. Rook- and either. not your normal rookie yeah, at that. He's built. He's strong, but he's also fast. He's right. gonna be one of those bigs that stays in this league for a while because he can keep up. Like those traditional bigs that are just slow and big. They're going to get they're fizzled out eventually. Out. Yeah. So DeAndre Aiden is something special. So it'll be a good matchup with those bigs for the Pelicans and him.
2: Yeah, make sure you guys come out. Pelicans Fest and all of that. Um, then Sunday, the Saints in Cincinnati, 325 p.m. Um, on...
3: I think it's a noon game, actually.
2: I thought it was at 325.
0: I don't think it was at flex. They flex,
3: flex the Eagles-Saints yeah. game.
2: Look, I just got you, oh, the times. I'm sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. I got times all wrong today. Um, okay, so noon game. <laughs> Then, um, yeah, make sure you guys tune in. We didn't really talk too much about the Bengals' uh, matchup, but I know we talked a little bit about They're it with a good Herbie. Team. But, yeah, something the only thing that I feel like the Saints will be able to capitalize on is the missing A.J. Green factor, which yeah. is a big deal for the Bengals because that's literally their main you know, option on offense. So. I mean, this Bengals team is
0: a five and three team second right behind the Steelers right. in their division. I, I I think it's you can't take this uh, matchup lightly. And well, it is outdoors, which so is a factor the- for the Saints in the past. Well, so.
2: something Daniel and, uh, and I were talking about yesterday was that is this a potential trap game? And yeah. I mean, I know there's people who are, you know, saying that and thinking that for me, I'm in my mindset that the Saints are just on this you know, momentum in this role, and they have their eyes focused yeah. on the prize, but there are some factors like playing outdoors and, you know, just in a whole different environment yeah. that could be different for them. It's
3: only a trap game if you make it a trap game. The Saints are a better team. The Bengals are a really good team. But the Saints are the better team, and I feel like I have much better faith in the Saints in an outdoor venue based on their win against the Ravens because that was just a gutted out win, yeah. and those kind of elements, it made you believe that the Saints team who used to have a reputation of as soon as they got outdoors, no matter where they were, they would have (laughs) trouble. But I don't think that's the case with this team anymore. They've proven in every single element this year that they're capable of winning. They went up to New York and beat the Giants. Yes, they grant They weren't a good team. Yeah. But you went up there and beat their butts. And then you do that with the Baltimore Ravens. You come back and you win the game as well. So just because they don't have A.J. Green doesn't mean they don't have some talented wide receivers. And John Ross, Tyler Boyd's been big for them. And they have a great running back in Joe Mixon, who's capable mm-hmm. of getting 100, 150 yards. And he also can catch the ball out of the backfield. So the Bengals are a really good team defensively and offensively. It's going to be a challenge, but it's only a trap game if they make it. If they have their eyes on the prize knowing that that Rams team don't let down after a huge emotional win. Right. You've seen that before with teams, not just the Saints, but any team. You're coming off one of your best wins of the season. Yeah. Now you just don't let down. Right. Now you knowing that you have control of the NFC You control your own destiny in the last eight Mm. games. Yes, there's so much more football to go. Mm -hmm. But technically, you own the tiebreaker already with the Rams. You control your own destiny here to be that one seed, and that begins and continues with the
0: Bengals on Sunday.
2: Right. Um, Probably not going to – I don't know. You guys think we'll see Des Bryant this weekend?
0: I think it's going to be tough. I think it's tough, but – possibility. But I don't think you're going to see a lot of playing time He needs to get in football shape. I know he's been
3: keeping in shape, but there's a difference with – running and running and being on the on the cutting routes and all yeah that. you might see him as you know never knows a decoy out there because you still have to worry about him when he's on the field right. but i'm guessing he'll be ready to go for that eagles game and then of course he'll definitely be ready for that cowboys game
2: <laughs> we're not gonna talk about we look too far ahead too far ahead you're going too far <laughs> That Cowboys game is not, there's two games before that, three games before that. You this know one, that
3: circle now on his calendar. This one,
2: the Eagles and the Falcons, we don't care about the Cowboys until it's Cowboys week, okay? You
3: know Dez is caring <laughs> You're
2: being so petty. I like so it. So petty. This is why you like to join the girls, huh? It's Friday, why not? <laughs> so you guys, you guys, make sure you, like I said, pelicans.com, get your tickets, watch the game Sunday, and cheer on your Saints. Other than that, thanks for tuning in catch another black and blue report on Monday before the Pels take on the Raptors. As long as they allow
3: me across international borders.
2: I'm (laughs) a little nervous
3: when I get the customs. Daniel will
2: be (laughs) traveling with the team, so Daniel, make sure you have your passport. I'll help him over the border.
0: I'll help him over. Smuggle him over. (laughs) Ashley, are
2: you traveling to that team? I am, yeah. Everybody's leaving me. I'll be here at the office. Yeah,
3: Ashley's going to make sure I get across okay. Then, yes, there will be a black and blue report on Monday.
2: (laughs) Fun, fun, fun. Yes, so make sure you guys tune in Other than that, have a great weekend and thanks for listening.